It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you all. Not such a happy Monday morning in terms of reviewing sport, but uh, however, we've uh, got to get on with it and do just that. Uh, on the good side of rugby, the super squads uh, have just been released and we'll be able to talk to playing through champions yet again. Uh, the Crusaders boss, Scott Robertson, very shortly. Razor will be there just after 9.30. Ricky Schwinnell will give us... Uh, hopefully a, a real honest opinion of the Black Ferns because it's been 0 for 4 over there and have they gone forward at all. Uh, Tony Johnson just after 10 o'clock with a, a review of the weekend of rugby. Jamie Wall and Kimberly Downs are the panel. Uh, Louis Herman Watt and a visit to the TAB and Andrew Voss uh, will be after 11 o'clock as per usual. Might be able to talk a little bit with him uh, about the Tim Payne scenario, what's going on with the Australian cricket captain, that would be the hottest news in Australia and I'm sure they're getting their teeth into it as we speak Sport is our religion and here is Smithy's Sermon Well if we thought last Monday morning was a bad cop, this one is straight out of the Betty Crocker cookbook In fact, unless you are part of the Chiefs franchise or a Northern Hemisphere rugby supporter, it couldn't get much worse Whilst the scores look a touch better for the Black Ferns, uh, they are talking improvement, I'm not so sure. Never at any stage was that result in doubt. The ladies tackled their hearts out, let's face it, they have for a month now. They've had to, but there was very little else to enthuse over. Coach Glenn Moore needs some more quality opposition in a hurry, along with a quality Farmer Farmer Cup competition and a clean and frank notepad, and probably not in that order. Old favourites don't win that many races, trust me. And if you're buying Glenn a notepad, get two and send one to Fozzie for Christmas. And also pray that a 20-minute window when the All Blacks found their mojo doesn't cloud all of his judgment going forward. 24 months is a long time away for old and battered bodies. He has to quickly nut out who in his squad can be at their peak in two years' time and make some hard calls. Where can he find the passion and drive that we've seen across the table in the last two weeks? Sacrebleu, as they say. Can we really write it off as a long tour and a long time away from home in a weird sort of a way? I hope so, because I'm looking for excuses as well. And it's hardly been a blue ribbon 10 days for the Black Caps either, just by the by. The same bowling attack that nearly took us to a World Cup but gold medal has just been pasted around large parts of India. Now, little did he know at the time when he smashed his hand while smashing his bat that Devin Conway triggered a big change in balance and performance because uh, we haven't looked the same since. India have just earned some good old-fashioned brownie points. 
Look forward to the test by all means, but beware in the process, this won't be Southampton, not by a long shot. Well, if there's some good news about New Zealand rugby this morning outside of the Chiefs franchise where they were successful, weren't they, in the NPC Grand Final and the championship as well, uh, well, the Super Rugby squads are out and there's always, that's always been uh, something good to talk about and the Crusaders look like, uh, again, they will be one of the teams to beat when the new Pacifica competition starts off next season. So joining us now to talk about... Uh, his team, his squad that he's managed to assemble is five-time Super Rugby winning coach Scott Robertson. Good morning to you, sir. Hey, Smithy. Morning to you, mate. Hey. Yeah, good, mate. No, finally, he, uh, it's business. You can get on with business, well, publicly anyway, because uh, you re- revealed to us a, a pretty strong-looking squad as well, mate. You must be pretty happy because you've been able to find room for five rookies as well, so that means development. That's it. You know, to bring young guys through that have been in... Um, through academy or even a pre-season with us before, it's great to see them to come through and and have a crack and set them up. You know, it's quite interesting. I was just talking to a few reporters and they said you had the big turnover and you sort of do. You know, when you've got eleven all blacks in there, four-year floating salary cap, you you got to make some tough calls. And you know, one of them's obviously with the Luke Romano. Um, he's, he's got another opportunity with the Blues, but that's what you do as a coach. Um, he's been awesome for us, and we all wish Luke that all the best up in the big smoke. Let's look at uh, some of these uh, five rookies and, and what you mean to do with them. Uh, Shiloh Klein, Finlay Brewer, Zach Gallagher, uh, Dominic Gardner, Corey Kello. Um, uh, how far did you, you have to throw the net to drag this lot in? Oh, they've been with us um, for a while. Um, and we've been tracking them. And just like a timing, that's why I mentioned, you know, this year's a big year for us, you know, when you've got Andrew Makaleo and... Uh, um, it's your tumour fussing, all those guys sort of, sort of moving on, you bring the next guy through and, and you set them up, you know, we've sort of got like a two or three year plan ahead to make sure that when they come in, they the know them and, you know, they they train with us. Mate, they know how to do a bind with, a, uh, with a Cody Taylor or a Brody McAllister when, when they come in uh, and we set them up so they're successful in, in their first year. So all oh, these guys have been around, it's their fourth year in some ways because they've had three years in, in the... And the academy, so when they, when they come in, they're really, they're really ready. So um, it's always exciting. The fresh, the wide-eyed, uh, we pair them up with a, another player so they can have a mentor. And um, that's what every year is always fresh about. It's always, a, you know, like in your cricket team, so when someone comes in, you just love to see how they go and you get around them. So how how does it go about, you get phone calls from these guys. I mean, I, I look at what's gone, what, what you've lost, and I mean, it's a quality effect of what you've lost and what you've had to replace, but you've lost a player to Ireland, to Japan, yeah, to Scotland, to, to all over the joint, yeah. not just other franchises. Do, they, they bring, uh, do you have any of these decisions take you by surprise or um, you're part of most of them? Uh, yeah, you, you, can pass, you get to know agents pretty well in this game and the player. And they keep you abreast of it the whole time. Like they love being involved with the Crusaders, the franchise, but you also got to make sure that there's always a step. It's always evolving. And like you know, look at Josh McKay. Um, man, he got you know times two that he would get here. Uh, and you can understand, you know, he hadn't sort of had that big breakthrough. He goes over there, plays 
two or three years, you know, I can set himself up for, for life. He's sort of on the, probably not going to be an all back and you can understand that. So you're part of that conversation. And you, mm. and you wish him well because you, you feel like you set him up to go to that next step. So everyone's different. But I, I think it's it's just part of our game. It's the way you manage it and you just don't get big lumps or heaps of them at the same time or you lose like you lose a lot of experience with it. But hence, you know, then you get a, like a Titaro Tahuya thing. Triple T is your perfect pickup for us. Experience, new start for him, Simon Hickey, Ken Holo. All three of them have been in super teams and played a lot of rugby. So... Those are the gains you can get as well. As you look at this squad right here and now, um, and you've had to assemble quite a few over the years, how do you feel you're placed in terms of uh, depth? Oh, mate, we're good, Smithy. You know, front row's always a big one. Uh, as you know, you've, you've got to be going around the set-piece stuff. Uh, but because we've got a number of all-backs that have played for a lot of years... Our challenge is to make sure they get really inspired and, and, and get the best of them out of them super so they can become all backs again and, and, and to keep them on form. And what that does when they're at their best, it brings the young group through and they understand what the standards and the role modelling is that's required. So, you know, the quality of the young men that are coming through are exceptional. And you saw that last year, you know, when you got Tomati Williams come in and play at this such an incredible level. Um, you know, you've got um, a few other guys like the Fitch and you and those young, those young guys, you set them up to succeed because you're going to get dusted. You're going to get a few hidings in the front row. You just got to minimise them as much as you can and, and, and learn as quickly as you can. And when you when you when you're scrummaging most weeks against Joe Moody, it becomes a little bit easier when you get to a game because you're, you're against the best. Okay, let's look at uh, one of those most exciting additions, and not very often you get, you go overseas to get somebody, but. Um, mm. You've come up with uh, Pablo Montera, uh, who I think everyone in New Zealand is looking forward to seeing uh, on the side of that scrum of yours. Yeah, Pablo's unique, isn't he? He's uh, a unique power athlete, uh, really aggressive, plays a lot of passion and a good leader, you know. And, and that's, a good, that's a great thing about someone like him coming in. He's going to be a fresh, he's going to buy diverse, he's going to help out crowds. Oh, mate, Orange Dewey Stadium's going to have a few more Argentinians singing all day or late, you know, like it'll bring a little bit of an edge and a different Latin feel about our team and his culture will come into it. So it's good. It keeps us fresh, you know. It's like when Ronan came in and what he brought and a couple of traditions that he had from his playing days in, in, in Ireland were, were huge. We still use them now. So those little point of difference, you know, can make a season. Let's, uh, let's look at um, uh, the senior players, your all-black players, and... Uh, when it comes to filtering them back into the group, mm. is it an individual thing? Um, you, you have discussions with them, or is it set in concrete? For instance, is Richie Moonga, as he does, he have to sit out the first six weeks? Yeah, it, it, so they're all available round one. So, it, and some are allowed um, pre-season two for us, which is really important to so start getting combinations, but. The management of them coming in is individualised. So this week, uh, um, with the All Blacks will, will go through it and they'll have the, obviously their reviews. And then we'll have also have, we'll get that information. And then once we've had our one-on-ones with the players, we'll, we'll look, say what's best for them. You know, we've got all the minutes for the years with the All Blacks and Crusaders combined. Uh, then we'll go to the, what's best for the individual. But to convo with Richie, 
like it's in his contract. He has the ability to um, to take the time. Does he want to? Great, he can take it if he wants to come back um, a little bit earlier than the six weeks. Maybe even better. <laughs> so I can't help laughing at that because no. you know he's so important to us as well. But you got to trust him. You know, like mate, what does he need? He's been so loyal to us. But mate, whatever's best for him, Smithy will do. Okay, Jack, good you. Where are we at with Jack? Jackie G, mate, he is working like no one on that knee. Like, oh, mate, he is some professional, Smithy. I, I, I realise why he's such a good footy player when he gets into that gym. He pushes the physio, you know. Normally the physio's pushing the other, pushing the player, but he's, um, I mean, he's good at what he does. He's looking good. He's um, getting some bounding in. He's available for us probably late April. Which give him a push to get back into that all black jersey, which is really important for us and, and him to to get back there. So, well, mate, he's looking good. Um, surgeon's happy, physio's happy, he's happy. Oh, great. Okay, let's uh, also just look mm. at one area where you've always been very strong. But again, um, you know, they're outside backs: Jordan, Bridge, Reese, Enor, Fyanganuku, Harvili. Uh, the list goes on. Um, yeah. You're going to have to make some big calls there. In terms of your starting 15s, because the depth is so huge. Yeah, yeah, well, Jordan and me too, mate. Um, yeah, look, it's uh, it, it's it's a great issue, man. I love it. I, I love that, you know. I've, and I'm really honest with the boys. I'm really open. I talk to them around selection a lot and the why, and, and just keep connected with them. I made the power of Lester Fonganuki. You know, he can create. Look at his running meters that he gave us last year, and for Tasman, he's got X Factor. Um, you know, to play at a couple of positions and, you know, he's knocking on the door for, for the next level and that's what you get excited about. You know, with Dave pushing him to 12, opening up the opportunity for Walpole, um, and that's the art of it being a good coach. I feel like I'm getting better and better around like, getting the balance of, of all of that, you know, the conversation, the right timing, um, what's best for the team that week, uh, you know, how are we going to bring Kenny in a hollow and, mate, Unbelievable finisher. How are we going to get the best out of him um, and support and, and keep the George Bridges of this world fresh, but also give him enough game time to get back in the starting position for the ABs? Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, the ABs, I, I know you, as a good coach, you'll have been keeping your eye on all your guys representing in the All Blacks, etc. But it hasn't been a great two weeks. So we've been outplayed on both occasions. Uh, I'm 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 at a bit of a loss as to why whether they're just tired or or whether we need something more. Uh, have, what have you noticed from the outside looking in from your coach's perspective? I was just in um, an immediate press conference just asked that question as well, and I, I'll be honest with you, I'm quite reluctant. I know they'll be hurting, and I know if I'd say anything, they'll be headline. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a bit of an election going on at the moment, so I understand the the concept of it, but all I can say is um, that's near a real good review, and, and it's honest how they conduct it. Um, New Zealand pretty are pretty good at doing that, you know, the union. So it's whatever they do, they come out of it, they've got to make sure they, they learn deeply because it's been a challenging couple of weeks, and they'll be disappointed that um, they never got the best of it. We didn't see the best of them, and that's... That's the part that hurts the major of the games that you, you've got to see it. So, um, you know, feel for them. Um, Luke Romano, you won't have Luke Romano around the scene, mate. Uh, you're going to miss. I know you're going to. You've got to miss his presence in a in a 
and there's a number of ways I would think. I mean, he's like red and black blood through that vein, those veins of him. Even when he goes out hunting, it's there you can hear. <laughs> oh look, mate, we'll miss him. Oh, we'll miss him. And look, especially we just like to thank for his huge loyalty and, and long term um, commitment to our team. You know, like he's been hugely successful for us. You know what he brings to us. Uh, but we made a call early. Um, like I think I mentioned it with the, you know with our salary cap and the, the way things work, we just had to make a call. We've gone for a young Jack Keller, who's an incredible young athlete. You know, we gave um, Luke an opportunity early on if he needed to, if he needed to, you know, go on a we yen run or a couple of rounds for pounds up north, whatever he needed to do, you know, to, to extend his career. But he wanted to stay in New Zealand, and, and obviously the Blues a couple of blocks shy and they needed experience and, 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 they, and now it's got a great art of um, you know um, selecting his players getting them in so all the best to Luke and I, you know, I just want to thank him and all the best to you mate and thank you very much uh, for enlightening us on some of the new members of your squad and all the best for your preparation catch up soon Razor thank you cheers mate thanks mate yep all the best yep uh, Scott Robertson there, of course, the head coach of the Crusaders. Exciting time uh, because once those squads get uh, publicised, you can openly get on with the work at hand, and that's uh, what he will be doing this Monday morning, apart from all our media commitments as such that he's got. And uh, we've got a lot of texts uh, coming in about uh, Ask Razor about this, Ask Razor about that, but you know he's not going to put himself on the line publicly about what's going on in the all-black camp. It's just, uh, just think about it. Um, that's not the way we go about it as Kiwis. Um, so uh, I would have, you know, got a whole list of questions myself. I, I, I would have loved to have asked him about certain players, certain positions, and things. But he's uh, not in a position right here and now, and you can understand why to talk about it. Uh, so we had to just focus on the Crusaders. Uh, but you can continue to bring them in. There's four or five already. Uh, you're feeling the pain, I know. Um, there's a common theme. Let's um, let's uh, make the change while we can. It's coming in. Uh, do you think they will? Uh, would you? Is it all about? Is it all about um, Ian Foster and the coaching brigade? I've written down a list of players, uh, and I, I mentioned it briefly in my sermon. Do you reckon these players will be at their peak? I mean, that's where you need to be for a World Cup. Will these players in two years' time be at their peak? Quick, a quick list: Moody, Coles, Lolala. That's your starting front row from the weekend. Will they be at a peak in two years' time? Will Whitelock and Retallick, as good as they are now and as great as they have been in two years' time? with their tiring bodies, etc., will they still be at their peak in two years' time? Well, he's your type five, and that's where they say the game is won or lost, to be honest. TJ Perinara, will TJ Perinara be at his peak in two years' time? Uh, Tuanga Farsi, Tuanuku Afi, uh, what, about, what about all these? I mean, they are, you know, that's your guts, your forward pack in terms of the type play. Will those guys be at their peak in two years? I don't know. Let me know. 8833. Dumps to behind the mic. You're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 926 here on SENZ. Just uh, flicking through uh, those uh, particular squads and looking at those uh, players that are on the move. Uh, And you wonder why uh, New Zealand rugby has a bit of an issue with players going overseas. 27. 27 players going overseas, let alone the ones changing franchises within New Zealand. 27 players, I counted very quickly, going overseas. And if you put them together as a 27, 
it's a decent old franchise in itself. Uh, some top quality talent heading overseas, and some of it quite young as well. Um, that's uh, one of the things that New Zealand rugby, of course, has to deal with on a daily basis. Um, all of the front row are rubbish, says uh, Nick from Hawke's Bay. Drop them all, they're too soft. Um, Smithy, uh, I feel sick, just about launched my phone through the window when I saw the news. Luke Romano is a blues player. Disgusting from our Satyrs. Uh, I think NZR's issue with Razor is that it's, it's still run by the old boys club and he has way too much personality for an All Blacks coach. Times are changing, however, dinosaurs should be extinct. The game has left them behind. We need a new edge, a razor's edge. How about that for a bit of uh, poetry? Uh, Robertson just sounds so full of enthusiasm and vigour. We need uh, a refresh with new ideas, and he's the man, a complete no-brainer there. Uh, look how long it took New Zealand netball to finally select Nolene, but we just had to wait out of a disastrous World Cup before it sunk in. Let's not do that with New Zealand rugby. Um, that's uh, a really good tick, it says Marston, so uh, I'll take it as uh, Marston, thank you very much for that. Uh, ask Razor what he would do with the All Blacks type 5 and would he set our back line deeper, Richie is way better than he's going in the All Blacks environment. Uh, do his players ring him for advice? I for one want Razor as All Blacks head coach. Two reasons, he served his apprenticeship here uh, and I'm over this crap, you have to cut your teeth overseas. Give the best coach here a crack and reward the New Zealand pathway. Razor inspires me just listening to him. No bloody riddles, no cliches. Sorry about the spelling. Uh, please don't coach Argentina, Razor. That's from Dino. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of the same thing. As predictable. As, as it is predictable because uh, we don't like losing once. We don't like losing two weeks in a row. And we don't like being uh, bullied and outpassioned um, with our national team. And uh, that effectively is what has ha happened in the last couple of weeks. It was a great 20 minutes just after the half-time where we fought our way in, we came within two points, which was a great comeback in itself, uh, and then France relaunched again. So uh, would, did we lack something off the bench? Did uh, the French bench just come out and monster us again? Or, or what happened there? Uh, we, didn't, we didn't do that well under pressure when it came to the... When they ramp, amped up again, we didn't appear to respond very well, did we? And New Zealand has to go like England and France and bring in a few younger players. I would have the Tongan number one hooker wouldn't, wouldn't have TJ in the squad. Well... Uh, Tokiaho actually was very, very good off the bench. He, he injected a, a lot of uh, skill, uh, a lot of fight, and, and the ability just for him to break tackles, uh, I thought was very good. And he, he was, I think, a plus at the weekend. Mark from Lower Hutt said, How is Razor not the All Blacks coach? Speaks such sense. And, um, you know, it just, I, could have, I, I would dearly have loved him to break down bit by bit and analyse the All Blacks over the last two weeks, but he is not in a position to do that. Hopefully uh, Tony Johnson will be after 10 o'clock, I'm sure. Uh, he very closely watched both those games, the All Blacks and the Black Ferns, and he'll have an opinion on both, as will uh, Ricky Swinnell very shortly, particularly as uh, she was involved heavily with the Black Ferns on this tour uh, from afar, but she kept a close eye on things. Have they made any ground? It's 9.30 here on SENZ. <laughs> Nine thirty-two here on SENZ. It was a nightmare northern tour for the Black Ferns. It can't be described any other way, to be fair. In all four matches, two to England and two to France, uh, including the twenty-nine-seven defeat yesterday, we really never got close to either. Uh, so, where are we at? What do we find out, and can we fix it? I think they're uh, really the three key questions. And to help us try and find some answers, uh, immediately very close 
after the event is, uh, of course, a Sky Sport rugby commentator and SENZ Drive host, Ricky Swinell, who watched all these games uh, and called them very, very closely as well. Uh, Ricky, uh, not good to have to call four losses in a row. So just how concerning is it for you in particular? Yeah, very concerning, Smithy. Morning. I mean, New Zealanders have certainly had better week, weekends in France, haven't they? <laughs> what just went on yesterday. Yeah, um, exactly. yeah look, I, I, you know, I think that it's the first time I've, I've only ever called one defeat uh, to the Black for the Black Ferns prior to this. So four in a row. But I, I think for, uh, I mean, you can stomach a loss, but it's the nature of the defeat. They were heavy, four record losses. Uh, they'd never conceded more than 30 points before they did so in just about every match on this tour. That's four losses in a row to France, um, going back 2018, 2019, and now these two, which has never happened before to the Blackfields. They've never lost to one team four times in a row either. So, um, look, concerning, because there's, there's, some, there's some quick fixes and there were some bright spots, some good young talent that we thought had the talent in the Farah Palmer Cup show that they absolutely do have it uh, to be international class players and there's some stars of the future, no doubt. Uh, but there, there are a few things that are, that are going to take time, um, and they've got 11 months to a World Cup now. Mm. And how much rugby, uh, quality rugby, quality opposition, uh, quality opportunities have they got in that? I, I don't see many at all. Yeah, well, so Super Rugby Opiki, I think as everybody has said, can't come soon enough. It is only four games, but it is four games against four quality sides. I think each of these teams that have been named are really well matched. You've got a lot of the fully professional Blackburn Sevens players in there um, who will have time uh, with their squads. Um, but it is very, very quick. You know, the, the teams only assemble for four days each week. So while they're all getting paid, it's not a fully professional comp. They're not training uh, all week. And as I say, only four games. Then, as far as I gather, there is uh, the start of the Pacific Series, which will be a new international series, which is going to come uh, from now on uh, against Australia, Canada and the USA. Now, Australia, this is the other issue. Australia, obviously, our nearest neighbours, they haven't played. They're still not playing. Uh, haven't played for two years, mm. the women's 15s team. Uh, Canada and the USA have been on their northern tours as well. Canada have looked pretty solid. Uh, USA have, have fallen behind the eight ball as well during sort of the COVID break. And, and I think it's pretty clear that England and France are just streets ahead of everyone now. Um, ideally, they'd, they'd probably like to get another game or two against those sides, whether that's possible, I'm not sure. But there is definitely some test rugby on the calendar for them. But I think, if anything, you know, this, this is showing that, that, that they need more. Um, they, they've just got to be playing at that level, at a high level, on a, on a far more regular basis. Uh, Ricky, you know, they've been together a month, and, and that's valuable time, of course, but a month mm. is a long time when you can work on set pieces and things like that. Now, the accuracy in that line-out, in the first oh. half, that absolutely killed us. What? Why? I mean, yeah. we couldn't even get close to finding jumpers at times. I mean, what is going wrong when you can't even perhaps achieve that from set piece play? Yeah, look, the line out, um, particularly in the first test in, in against England, uh, it showed some signs of improvement in the second against England. But Rob wobbly against a massive issue. And and look, you can. You can point to not having test rugby for, for lots of reasons, but that's a, a real basic. And, you know, Sekuna Nata Oringamata is a 30-test black firm, and she, she has been the one that has struggled the most. The line-out noticeably improved uh, when Georgia Ponsonby came on yesterday, and she's, that was her second cap. 
Um, and she's only actually been playing hooker for about two seasons. Uh, she's a converted Lucy. Um, and, and so, and, and you know, that, that's a, a, the target for in that first test was Eloise Blackwell, who's a, a 48-test black fern. So, you know, you can point to, as I say, you can point to the lack of rugby in some things, but a basic like that... Um, just was not good enough. It was abysmal, and they know that as well. I think. But how do you fix that? I, I don't know. Do you, I think some of the issue that is going to have to happen. Maybe Glenn Moore, the coach, has been very loyal to some very senior players mm. for a long time, and some of them haven't fronted on this tour. Um, and and it, it may have to be some really tough calls are going to have to be made in a World Cup year, a World Cup at home, um, that their time may be done. Unfortunately, um, unless they get themselves back, I think. There's an issue with conditioning. Some players just weren't prepared to play at this level from a conditioning factor, and that, again, is a a personal um, issue that you take on board yourself. And I know it was probably tricky for the Auckland players not having had any rugby and going on this to Auckland-based players, but, you know, you can can still go out and and fix those things yourself, Um, especially when you look at someone like Les Elder, the captain, who juggles a full-time job, a one-year-old baby, um, plus all all her rugby commitments as well, and is in peak condition to play at that level. So, yeah, there's some things that that can be fixed, um, but I think as you players, we'll have to take a lot more personal responsibility as well to to get those things right. I agree. I totally agree. Uh, Mm. And big calls do have to be made. But they have to be made very quickly. It's not like yep. I, I think you can be in a situation where you can hang in there till March and just see if your old names and your old familiars uh, have lifted themselves or w- if they haven't, what kind of opportunity have you missed? So I don't envy him his job, Glenn Moore, um, <laughs> providing, of course, he is the right guy to be there. And I suppose you can't go changing your hierarchy as such this close to a World Cup. Yeah, I mean, I guess those questions will be asked about Glenn Moore. He's been in the job for a long time, and, and um, I, I think the players, like I said, he's very loyal to, to his players, and I think the players are quite loyal to him from what I gather as well. But yeah, making that change at this point would be a, a massive call, which I, I doubt would happen, and I think he probably has earned, earned the chance to, to see this through. But Super Rugby, the Opiki competition, which is starts in March, um, is going to be massive for some of these those senior players, I think, to, to front up because if we're looking for bright spots, and there were some on this tour, and, and even though they got mm. they got dusted yesterday, again, there were certainly some signs of improvement um, as well. But the, the bright spot was some of the young players, um, Liana Makili Tu'u, obviously a, a Hawks Bay girl who's, who's moved to Auckland. She'll be playing for the Blues. Um, came, played in all four tests and, and was brilliant. Kennedy Simon from Waikato, who's been in the Black Ferns, start, first start yesterday, outstanding. Uh, Ariana Baylor, backup halfback, brilliant when she came on. Uh, Maya Roos, the young lock, only 20, who got sinbin very unfairly yesterday, must be, must be said. Um, you know, she, she has shown that she's, she's ready to and can step up. So some of those young ones, and so I think the talent is there. Um, they know what it is like now at international rugby, but, you know, England and France, fully professional premiership competitions, which are streets ahead of what the Farah Palmer Cup is, um, and are, are fully, I think the French team are, are totally centralised at the training base in Paris, so they're there every day. Um, so that's a, a big gap to bridge um, in, this, in this short space of time. So is it, if you look at the difference, right, was it, is it combinations? Is it they are bigger and stronger, uh, more physically attuned to playing the modern game of, of women's rugby? Is I, I struggle because, you know, I've, I guess it's because I've had so much faith in the names that have been there for so long. To find out those names 
are being left behind. I, I think that's the worrying thing for me. So when they say they're not conditioned right, do they have to be stronger or do they have to, are we talking about fitness levels? Yeah, I think I think it's probably all of those things. Combinations are a factor. You know, you, you look at some of the ones that England has through their, their key roles. And what we've seen with the Black Ferns is a couple of times it's uh, so, some of the sevens players, so Kelly Brazier, Portia Woodman and Stacey Flula. Stacey Flula was outstanding. Portia, brilliant when they finally got her the ball in the last mm. two tests. We, we you know, know how good she is. But all of a sudden, Kelly Brazier is thrown into play 10 um, after ha- half a game of, she, she's had 40 minutes of 15 for a couple of years. Um, and the expectation that they can change things, you, you need a little bit more time than that time to develop those combinations. They did change the team every week, and they did always say they were going to try and play everyone on this tour um, to to see, I, 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 I think it, it's seeing what they've got, seeing what the cattle is, um, and who can hack it, basically. And, and we've seen some who did and some who didn't. Um, you know, conditioning and, and, and things like that. Uh, yes, maybe it is fitness levels because it all comes down to, to what happens when you're under fatigue, right? And that's when a drop ball and the cumulative pressure that you're under when you're having to make a lot of tackles, that all becomes comes into play if you're, you're not fully fit and, and ready, you know, if, you, if you're gasping um, for, for breath and all of a sudden you're having to run it out or rumble it out from inside your own five metre line, which they had to do and yesterday. And as I say, they, they stuck in it so much better yesterday. Um, those all become a factor if your conditioning's not at that peak level of what you need for international rugby, which England and France have. The other thing, Smithy, too, I think the kicking game was really poor um, across all four tests, and that needs to be addressed um, pretty quickly. Uh, Hazel Tubert wasn't selected on this tour, which surprised a few people, and I think her kicking game was very much um, missing from from that lineup. So, you know, she might be a player who comes in along with a couple of others who come back into the frame after this tour. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, you, mm. you talk about a poor kicking game, you talk about uh, con- uh, lack of combination, you talk about it being out-passioned uh, and out-strategised. Uh, and uh, no, we're not talking about the All Blacks, but we probably could be. <laughs> yeah. What it, what it actually reminds me of a little bit, Smithy, is back prior to the Rio Olympics, um, the New Zealand men's team, they did, I think they got, what, they get knocked out in the quarterfinals. And what had happened is that mm. sevens had became an Olympic sport and all these unions, all these places, suddenly their Olympic committees put money into it. And we kind of had this, well, we're New Zealand rugby, we're really good at rugby, um, we're really great at sevens, we'll be arrived. Um, every other country, they centralised their programmes, they paid their players a, a decent amount and they were together all the time, whereas the all-black sevens, and I don't mean the black sevens, even, I mean the all-black sevens, the men's side, uh, were caught short. The rest of the world had caught up to them. And, and it does feel a little bit like that in, in terms of the black sevens. Mm. You know, we've had these incredibly talented players all for so many years. We've really dominated for for. 30 odd years that they've been playing effectively um, and all of a sudden other countries have put resource in they've invested into these players invested into their programs and they've gone past us well ricky it sounds like you need a combination of a couple of things after calling four losses in four weeks uh, you need either a nice cold flannel a nice soft pillow and a lay down for a week or two or you need to break out of Auckland somehow and find a nice winery and get it out of your system oh, there. Oh, don't tell me what I would give to be sitting in a Hawke's Bay winery with a little cold rosé or something about now. Well, not quite now. It is only 9 o'clock, isn't it? It's a bit early. Um, oh, that would, be, that would be bliss. But yes, it, it has been... 
it's been challenging, but I think you know it's it's exposed um, exposed a few things, and now they've got yeah ten and eleven months to, to a World Cup. But uh, and in the meantime, yeah. I'll, I'll try not to, to bury my head in too many bottles of wine. <laughs> Hey, thanks very much for your honest assessment and, and being available to us this morning, Ricky. Uh, thank you. Have a nice day. No worries, Smithy. Have a good one. Cheers, mate. Yeah, cheers. Thank you. Uh, Ricky Spinell there, uh, who called all those four test matches. And uh, there were glimmers of hope there, but you could tell uh, there's a lot of ground to make up in her voice and her assessment there. Uh, 9.45 here on SENZ. Uh, some more texts coming in, plenty of them, and a multi before 10 o'clock. SENZ. Ah, right. Hi, Smithy. We used to pick uh, strength and mongrel over skill all the time. Guys like Romano, Hoare, Conrad, Thorne, Woodcock, etc. weren't even the most skillful in their position, but they were hard guys like Oala. Akira Ioane can do magic things with a ball, but tell me the last time we are under pressure and Adi or Akira made a massive tackle or blew out a ruck. We've gotten obsessed with ball skills in the fours and forgotten what made all black forward plaques feared and successful which was being tough in the tight. Artie especially needs to go back to the bench. Interesting. Uh, hopefully uh, I'll uh, look at that, I'd imagine. I'm not quite sure uh, Artie Savier was one of the problems, but uh, it is his leg drive. He's fairly predictable in what he does. He, he, he really uh, carries the ball a long way. He's got that strong, strong uh, stride that he's got. Uh, and then we, uh, no one's there all of a sudden. It's turned over. Uh, we've played the same style for close to 10 years since 2011 and been on a slow decline since the 2017 Lions Tour with that style. Uh, the loss to England in 2019 should have been uh, a lightning moment to rethink our game, but it hasn't with very similar losses to Ireland and our France. You can throw South Africa in there as well. We are very skillful players, but they've been walking into teams and games who know exactly what we will do and how to beat us. Change was needed. Razor, Jamie Joseph, Tony Brown would have changed our game. Hopefully NZR can see that. Well, they've made the commitment. You know that they've made the commitment. Uh, I think it's brilliant now that we can get up and watch the LBs and not ABs and not expect them to win. Uh, the anticipation and excitement levels have amped up a tad more. That's from Barry. Uh, Mark, on the other hand, says, very easily the best part of that test match on Sunday morning was my bacon and eggs. Uh, that's very accurate. Uh, Dale says, Smithy, we need to settle on a starting lineup. Stop changing and chopping. It's madness. How can they expect uh, to develop partnerships? Uh, that's uh, Dale. Thank you very much, Dale, for that. Uh, Zane has said, pretty sad effort from the ABs, but how good were France? The speed, the passion, continuity with the players was brilliant. Reminded me of the ABs uh, rugby and how it should, like, really, it should look like. Really disappointed with the ABs season as a whole. Unfortunately, it feels like we're heading into a genuine rebuild phase for the first time in many years. Some exciting young players coming through. Just hope... Uh, we give them a chance to play well before the Rugby World Cup. <clears throat> a lot of uh, texts have come in uh, along that particular style this morning. It is, it's, uh, it's a common theme, isn't it? It's, uh, and it's a worrying theme. I, yeah, what's happened to Kieran Kite? This guy uh, coached four championships with the Canterbury FPC side, coaches the Blackburn development side in 2019, was selected as coach of the year. From what I know, his, uh, his ability to get the best out of the girls was second to none. Uh, that's Stu on an entirely different attitude. And how about Stratty? Morning, Smithy. We are all quick to bag the AB coach. We had the players that chose babies over the jersey. Oh, here we go. Uh, babies over the jersey. We fly a halfback halfway around the world to play 58 minutes. Personally, don't think it's coaching. It's the lack of respect about the jersey. 
and that's from Straddy. 9.54 here on SENZ, multi-time shortly. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the holder, know when the folder, Smithy's multi, know when the walk away, and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Close and my fault that we missed really because uh, I changed my mind on one selection and I shouldn't have. Taranaki to beat Otago, $1.56. I thought that was always a pretty good one. Uh, England to beat South Africa, snuck in at the last second and Wales to beat Australia, ditto. Uh, and then it came to the Premiership final where I trusted Tasma to go up there and beat Waikato. Shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have done that. Okay, let's uh, get to today's one, the Chargers uh, NFL to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers at $1.35. Phoenix Suns NBA to beat Denver Nuggets $1.30. Chicago Bulls to beat the NY Knicks, New York Knicks at $1.43. And Portland Timber to beat Minnesota in the Major League Soccer. So uh, all-American sport as usual on a Monday. $5.27 is the return. Uh, we've got the news coming up very shortly. And then after that, Tony Johnson with his all-black appraisal. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Well, the spotlight has got to be on the All Blacks and their coach, Ian Foster, now after finishing the season with a 12-win, three-loss record, including back-to-back defeats to Ireland and France to end the year. If you're only remembered by your last performance, hmm, okay, what do we think about that then? Uh, Tony Johnson has joined us now. No one better to uh, run an eye over this because uh, he'll be honest and uh, he'll be upfront about uh, how he has seen it throughout the last 12 months. Uh, Tony, can we reflect the, the season on those uh, that last fortnight of rugby? Well, yeah, I mean, I think going into those last two tests, Missy, I think a lot of people felt that this was going to be how the season was judged. Um, and, you know, they've come up short. I, I, to me, I think a pass mark would have been to win one of them. In the end, they have lost uh, the last two, and that's the first time that's happened to an all-black team since the, the rather miserable end of the 2019... Uh, sorry, 1999 Rugby World Cup, 1999... Uh, and you look back over the last uh, two years, two seasons, and they've lost five and drawn one. So it, <clears throat> it's not a great return. Uh, and I've, I've lost them uh, against different opponents. Uh, there's one against Australia, Argentina, South Africa, Ireland, and now France. Um, to be honest, Smithy, uh, if I put my, my, my hand on my heart, uh, I wasn't surprised by the result on Sunday morning. I've been saying for the last year that I think uh, France will be the team to beat come the next Rugby World Cup. They'll be at home. They're an immensely powerful team. They've got a brilliant 9-10 axis. Um, but that doesn't um, you know, really account for the fact that in the first half, this, this was you know, the test match just got away from them completely. And I, I think they need now um, to be a, a pretty full, frank and open discussion about you know, which way this team's heading and, and you know, how they're going about it. There, there is a danger, and I can see this coming. I've heard it before. Is that uh, that twen- twenty minutes uh, after half time, where we uh, almost n- rolled back into the lead, unbelievably, um, that might be seen as mm, uh, you know what it's, the future is going to look like as such. And, and and I'm not quite sure we can think that way. I think we need to look at a slightly bigger picture. That being a tight five age group uh, that started at the weekend, Tony, uh, come 2023, will be. 
Moody 35, Coles 36, Lolala 32, Retallick 32, Whitelock 35. They're old legs. Yeah, and uh, the question is, do they try and manage them through the next couple of years to keep them there? There's obviously a danger of that. I mean, there's some young talent coming through, but it's quite raw. I mean, they did miss, um, you know, the, the influence of, say, Scott Barrett, um, Patrick Tuipalotu, of course, has been allowed to go off and play in Japan. Uh, you know, that they might have at least helped um, you know, with the workload. Um, the other two locks are still very, very young. Um, I, I do think, uh, if perhaps the way ahead, yes, but I, to me, what that showed in that period that you referred to was something we should have seen more of uh, in, in the matches, that, you know, they've continued to try and play their way around these cloying defences, and people call it the rush defence, but it's now standard. Um, and, and they've, they've tried to play their way around it when, for a while, uh, and it looked very good for 20 minutes, they were trying to play their way, their way through it, and they did so with good effect. And that was when you saw Palkiaho coming off the bench and bringing some real muscle and some firepower. And I think there, there, mm. there's a pointer there, but, but we, we've got to hear it, haven't we? Um, look, it's, it's an interesting one. Uh, as I say, you, you could uh, perhaps put a loss of... Um, form, a loss of sharpness, down to the fact that they've been in a bubble for three months, and I think the other two Southern Hemisphere teams have suffered to, to a similar degree as well, the amount of time uh, spent in a group away from home, etc., and, and, you know, the results may have reflected that degree at the weekend, um, but you, 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 that doesn't account for what I say is still a, a vague at best game plan, um, and the, the constant uh, or continuing inability to play their way around that, that rush defence. Uh, and also, I think, you know, when under pressure, how frenetic and at times almost panicky the play got. These are all questions that, that will have to be addressed. And, and just, sorry, I'm, I'm going on a bit here, Smithy, but I, I'll just take you back to 2009 when they lost three test matches to South Africa two years out from the World Cup. And you'll remember that, that documentary that we did at Sky about the 2011 World Cup. Mm-hmm. Graham Henry said, in a way... It was good for us because it made us think. And it made them think about what they were trying to do and was there a better way of trying to do it? How did they have to adjust their game? Did they have to bring other players into the mix in order to do that? And in the end, uh, they were able to do that. Now, that's a group of uh, Hanson, um, Henry, of course, and, and the great thinker of the game, Wayne Smith. And, and the question is now, can this group uh, respond to this situation by thinking their way around the problem. Mm. You know, I, I, I think um, not that long ago, to be away with the All Blacks for three months on tour, playing around the world with the opposition that you're coming up against on a weekly basis, uh, and seeing you know those parts of the world would have been great. I mean, it would have been the highlight of a lot of people's career, and you would have learnt a lot from it as a player, as a coach, in terms of all sorts of things. But it doesn't appear to be the case. It appears it was um, more a labour, not a labour of love. And, and, and I look at it and think now, are we any better off? Do we know uh, our combinations than we did three months ago? Yeah, um, I, I suppose a bit different though, um, Smithy, in that you know, they've had to keep to their bubble and they probably did pretty well to keep their sanity under those circumstances. Uh, and, and look, let's, let's face it, um, that tackle gets made in the end goal and Intermac doesn't get away, um, mm. you know, they're a chance to win the game. Um, they, they, they got themselves into a position and then it was just um, 
you know, in, in a desperate effort uh, to spread the ball wide, an injudicious pass gets intercepted, and and France score, and that's probably those two incidents probably um, sealed the fate of the game. But that that done really well. I, I don't think we should just sort of ignore the fact that they played um, well to get themselves back into the game because at the moment it doesn't disappoint. It doesn't suit this sort of rather disappointed narrative that's doing the rounds that you know they lost the test. Um, and, and the same against Ireland, the, the fact that they managed to keep themselves in the hunt to the point where they were one forward pass away from perhaps winning the game. So they were, um, you know, going into the, the, the final minutes, that they were in the contest. Um, but as I say, I just it, it just doesn't account for uh, some of these other sort of rather glaring problems that they've encountered, particularly over the last two tests, and, and what is what it is that they can do um, to work their way around it. So, um, in essence, um, Richie, uh, Richie Moanga, a lot of question marks over Richie Moanga, a lot of question marks. The two players probably most talked about, Richie Moanga and Akira Ioani, um, perhaps under pressure. What did you make of those two performances, Tony? Uh, well, the forwards, I suppose, got caught caught up in a, um, in a you know, in a heck of a scrap. I, you know, Akira Ioane perhaps wasn't able to influence the game in the way that he is best able to, and there might be you know various reasons for that. I mean, he's a favourite target. I, I I do think that you know um, perhaps in, in this great debate over um, who's the best number ten, that um, you know one thing that has happened towards the end of the year is that Bowden Barrett has probably emerged as as you know the, the front runner. I thought. You know, Maunga, he, he played some great rugby earlier on in the year, but under pressure, um, you know, he did, certainly didn't uh, have a great test match at the weekend. Uh, but it's, it's it's not just those guys. Other players made mistakes as well. And, and as I say, I think it just came, comes down to this, um, you know, what happened to the team when they were trying to chase the game. They, they just looked a bit panicky. And I think that, that, that's the problem, that, you know, who's directing operations in the back line. The forwards have got their hands full. Uh, and, and that is something, again, that they're just going to have to sit down and, and work through. Uh, who, who's the best person to direct operations um, under immense pressure and playing against an absolutely brilliant opponent? Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's fair to say that Richie Mormon certainly wasn't anywhere near his best at the weekend. OK. Uh, right, a lot of people also, of course, as they were, will always do, will question... Ian Foster's ability and the group he's got round him, John Plumtree, Brad Moore, Scott McLeod, Greg Fleek. Now, uh, my understanding is they're locked in. Uh, so um, that's the group we've got. And, and Grant Fox obviously uh, dovetails in as a selector there. So I don't think there's going to be too many changes uh, in, those, in that personnel, Tony, is there? It can't be really, can there? Oh, uh, yeah, but that doesn't mean there's, you know, I, to me there, there has to be a discussion. Um, he, he's, they've still got, they have a performance review at the end of the year, and it would be very unusual for there to be a change of personnel, but that doesn't mean um, that, that I, you know, a, a thorough review of where they're at and where they're going can't be held. Uh, I'm sure that's part of the deal. I think every coach has to do that at the end of the year. And uh, you think famously back to well, the end of 2001 after they'd um, come, come up just short and trying to get the Bledisloe Cup back. Wayne Smith went before a panel, and now he was still under contract. Um, and after, I, I think he faced up to a panel that was headed by uh, John Graham, um, and he gave a brilliant summation of where they were at in the morning, 
uh, and John Graham said, no, we've got the right, we thought we've got the right guy. And then he came back in the afternoon and, and suddenly all the confidence had gone and he, he was full of doubt. And uh, they sort of said, well, I, we're not sure that we can recommend um, on the basis of what we heard in the afternoon. And Smithy was gone. Um, you, know, you know, so that there are still, um, I'm sure, performance clauses in the contract. And I, I do think it's a conversation that needs to be had, you know, that... You know, it, it cannot just be a box-ticking exercise. Uh, I, I, look, don't get me wrong, Smithy. I, I thought that at this year, Ian, Ian Foster deserved to know whether he was in the job or not. Whether that was mid-year or after this tour, I mean, that's, that's up for debate. But I think he did, you know, deserve to know this year, deserve to fight. They needed to make the decision this year. Uh, about whether he was going to continue in the job or, or what have you. And, and they've gone ahead and they, they extended the contract well through the year, and now this has happened. Uh, as I say, that, that probably keeps him safe, but that doesn't mean that there's, there's not a, a strong conversation and a lot of honesty and soul-searching soul searching that needs to take place before they head to the, the beach or the batch or whatever it is they do this summer. Yeah, it's it's really it's an interesting point because it is the halfway point. It's two years away from a World Cup, which is quite a lot of rugby to have to make changes if you have to in terms of your strategy, etc. Um, but I go back to this point, and you you sort of hinted at it when you said, "Do we keep some of these guys in cotton wool?" But I mean, that's is, when you keep guys in cotton wool, um, you tend to tip them away from keeping standards up. So. Where are they going to yeah. go um, with this? Yeah, look, and Smithy, I'm not suggesting that they that they have to do that. Um, what I was just saying is that that's what they're most likely to try and do. And whether that works mm. or not, I don't know. I think you know you've got to look to it. At, 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 um, there's some other factors. I mean, you know, Super Rugby not having the South Africans there, um, much as it was a it could be a pain in the backside, and the, the South Africans sort of you know did tend to complain a bit about their their lot and they played the games in the middle of the night our time and a lot of people when they decided to go to Europe a lot of people said right I will see you later but but the fact is that um, not having the South Africans there does take something away from the education of our players and what they have to expect when they get into the, the you know the, the, the tough times at, at test rugby um, you know that, that yes the New Zealand games are very are very tough but uh, you know are they of the sort of Type of toughness, toughness that you you get when you play South Africa or France or England or, or whatever, um, you know. So that that's another factor that's probably come into it as well. Um, but as I say, uh, you know, is this the point now where this group has to say, look, we've tried to play our way around these oppressive, cloying, in some cases very negative uh, defences. Although there was nothing negative about the way France played at the weekend, but uh, you know. We've tried to play around it. The kicks to the wing, everyone's expecting them now. They're getting picked off. Uh, do we have to now look for players who can roll up their sleeves and, and really do the hard stuff up the middle of the park and, and follow the lead that was set, I thought, magnificently by Artie Savia at the weekend, Tokiaho, when he came on? Is that, is, do we have to now look at doing that? And have we got the guys in the team that are able to do that job? One final question. It used to be the most hallowed job in the country. Uh, I'm talking, not talking about the coach. I'm talking about the all-black captain. That was the job. Uh, are we any closer now, having used four or five this year, for you to be able to say there is a natural out-and-out leader there in front of you? No, 
Yeah, that, that's boy. I hadn't really thought about that, Smithy. I, look, I've been a, a fan of Sam White. Uh, I, I just think he brings a, um, a, a calm approach uh, to the job. He, he sort of very much in the McCaw um, mould, and that you take the points when they're on offer. Um, and, and you know, you, you look back at that Ireland game, and, and I think Marshy said at the time in the commentary, he said, you know, they should have really gone for the jugular there and, and, and gone for the lead instead of taking the three points. Well, those those are things that we always discuss in hindsight. So, uh, look, what to me, even Richie McCaw wouldn't have become the great captain that he was if he didn't have great leaders around him. And he had the luxury of, you know, he had Conrad Smith, um, Dan Carter, um, you know players like that. Brad Thorne um, in his own inimitable style in the forwards. Um, you know Kevin Mealama was huge in in the whole team culture. Uh, and and so you know you, you can't just be a great captain on your own. And I think people like like Michael Hooper's suff- suffered a wee bit over the years for that in Australia. Uh, and and so that you know that's another thing that they have to really look at now is you know ha- have we developed um, the leadership around our captain, a leadership group, enough, and, and is this something? Is that a work on that we need to have? Uh, yes, they have got good leaders. They've got captains in the team. Artie Savier's captain of the team. Uh, Sam Kane's captain of the team. And look, I, I thought he, you know, he got better as the game wore on. Um, but has, has he guaranteed his place in the team? To answer your question after a very long answer, Smithy, I not, no, I don't think we're any closer to resolving that. No. Uh, some honest stuff, though, Tony. I, I really appreciate your thoughts this morning. And uh, good time for a break uh, from rugby, and good time for a rethink and uh, uh, start again. But there are some questions, and as you say, there have to be, and, and they have to be pretty tough at this point. Hey, thanks, Tony, as usual, for making yourself available. Appreciate it. Cheers, Tony. Thank you. Yeah, cheers, Tony. Tony Johnson there with his uh, honest thoughts on uh, where we were at. Didn't even have a chance to talk about uh, Tasman v Waikato. Um, he, Probably had enough pain watching the All Blacks and the Black Ferns anyway. So there you go. 10.19 uh, panel time very shortly. Uh, and Jamie Wall and Kimberly Downs with their thoughts on what they saw over the weekend. The opinions, the panel. Well, we've been asking hard questions of our guests all morning and it's not going to stop now because we've got Jamie Wall and Kimberly Downs on the panel this morning. And uh, Kimberly... One of the words we haven't really talked about this morning when we've analysed the performances of the Black Ferns and uh, the All Blacks is passion. And we find it very hard. I looked at the grandstand there in Paris at the weekend, the week before, the same one in Ireland and Dublin. And uh, the passion in the fans, the passion in the players, I'm not sure we've ever had that kind of level of passion. And I'm not, I don't know why. Um, in terms of, I mean, in terms of the fan support, I think you see it. Primarily around World Cup time, there certainly would be. But also, I also think you give credit, don't you, to the people who are putting on these sporting events because that's what they are. It's not just a game; it's an event at these stadiums, and they give it that atmosphere, and that in turn breeds a certain level of passion and enthusiasm. I mean, when you looked at the scenes ahead of the game against France. And it was, it was magical. The light shone. Everything about it was spectacular. They were obviously dishing out French flags left, right and centre. And why wouldn't you get that kind of fever, I suppose, if you were there at the ground? I think probably more than anything, um, NZR could look to them for a bit of an example on how to showcase an event more than just a match if they want to kind of get things to rival that. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's, I'm not taking anything away from um, you know the fact that we, we love our rugby over here, but I, I think we're we're just a different type of person, um, Jamie. But anyway, let's let's get on to uh, also just the performance here. Uh, are you a little dismayed, a little worried now after the last fortnight in particular? <laughs> a little. I think that's an understatement. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm extremely disappointed uh, with what's happened. But I've been in. You know, we, we had this conversation three weeks ago where, where I mentioned that if these results don't go away, we're going to be having a conversation about whether this team's in the right dire- heading in the right direction and has the right coach. And here we are. I mean, uh, it's good for a talkback radio station because there's plenty, plenty for you guys to do over summer now uh, because this isn't going away. Uh, this, this is going to stay. And, uh, you know, you, you've had Scott Robertson on this morning who was very measured with his, with his comments, but we know what's going through his mind right now and we know what's going through the minds of the people who have locked in Ian Foster's job right now because all of a sudden they're getting made to look very foolish. Uh, over some decisions um, that they've made. And if we're going to talk about the Black Ferns as well, well, I mean, it's kind of the same same story uh, that they have. They've, they've set this team off on a direction that they thought was right, and it, it's not working at all. Uh, neither our men's and women's teams um, uh, are in a good place right now, and it's a terrible way to finish the year. And it's the first time in quite a while we were, we're the All Blacks, I think, since back since we got thumped by England in that game back in 2012. Uh, have actually finished a year, or outside of a World Cup, rather, have finished a year in such disappointing um, fashion. But I mean, you could you could re- actually make a case right now for this being one of the worst All Black seasons ever, uh, given given what's happened. I mean, you think back to 1998 when they lost five tests in a row. Well, you know they were only just losing those tests, and that was to a very good Wallaby side who was about to become world champions, and to a, a then world champion Springbok side. Uh, and they're only just losing those games. So, and and now we're losing to Argentina, Ireland, uh, and and France. Uh, and it's it's not acceptable. This is not acceptable. And 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 thing, questions need to be answered about this. Uh, and and that's uh, I think it's a very good point, uh, Kimberly. I, I just wonder whether those questions will be answered in uh, the the key areas. In other words, the boardroom. Will they wonder over there, or or will they lead the the relative coaches, uh, Ian Foster and Glenn Moore, to sort it themselves? I mean, certainly in the, in the case of Glenn Moore, they'll leave that to sort it himself. I can't see them um, firing Ian Foster by any stretch of the imagination either. Like, I think these are the coaches in both respects that we're going to have um, to their respective World Cups. I think what has been disappointing as well, um, and, and Jamie kind of alluded to it there a little bit, but not, not just the fashion in which they've lost, but also I, I think there's been a real lack of kind of ownership um, around that following these defeats. You know, talking to, to Ian Foster yesterday in the press conference and and there still seems to be this real attitude of, you know, well, I, I, I think he genuinely believes they are making progress and, and growing, but it, it's quite um, bewildering in a way to, to hear an all coach speak like that off the back of, of consecutive defeats, and not just consecutive defeats, but bad losses. Um, and I think people would probably appreciate hearing slightly more ownership of it and, and less on the, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's been a tough year, it's been a long tour. The Springboks and the Wallabies actually lost more tests than us, you know. We, weren't, we only lost three and we played 15 this year. And I think we also need to put that kind of stat 
in context, because I've heard that a bit as well, you know, we've only lost three out of 15. Well, frankly, I, I feel like this year there were only really four tests uh, that were going to, to matter in terms of gauging where this all black side was at. And it was two against the Springboks, one against Ireland and one against France. And all black lost three of those. Um, and yeah. so it just, yeah, it, it's concerning. It is concerning. It's going to be a very long summer uh, for both of those head coaches, both Glenn Moore and Ian Foster. But to get back to your point, you know, I, I can't see them being changed at this point. Okay. If I can, if uh, I can just add to that, um, yep. Smithy, Smithy, just, just quickly, uh, the, the All Blacks and the Blackburns and NZ Rugby in general are not helping themselves with the way that they communicate um, with the public mm. and the media. Uh, and they, they have a bland corporate uh, doublespeak that they use uh, that is all right when it wins. It's very boring when they win because it, it's very boring, but it doesn't work when they lose. And Kimberly just said, you know, that they, they just default to positive speak about about things uh, when it's not needed and just some honesty would, would have been good and quite frankly the, 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 the you know there have been challenges um, media wise on this tour just because of the time differences and stuff but a lot of that could have been handled a lot better Okay um, we haven't finished with that yet uh, we're going to have a news break and uh, with, uh, with Trudy and then when we come back uh, I, I want to touch on a couple of other things around the rugby scene 10.32 here on SENZ Talk, big opinions, the panel Talk to me, yeah. Kimberly Downs, Jamie Wall with us this morning. Uh, Jamie, how about this? We were there was more passion in the opposition. Uh, we were beaten badly at uh, the breakdown, the physical areas. Uh, combinations were much more apparent than ours. And I'm talking about not last weekend. I'm talking about when we uh, were given a little bit of a lesson by Fiji in the second game of this international season. Same thing. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, it, it, it feels like a lot of lessons weren't learned um, from those tests, and it goes back to what I was just I just said um, before the break, is that that's all we heard of, out of out of the coaching staff uh, after those games. That, that you know, like we asked them what good is a hundred and two nil win over Tonga and, and and playing playing Fiji, and they said, well, this is a learning experience for this team. And you have to take that on place. So I go, okay, well, you just got bashed up front by, by a bunch of guys who just got out of MIQ and had one training session together. And they clearly didn't really learn anything um, because they went up north and got pushed around um, by an Irish team and then went to Paris. And then all of the stuff that they should have learned from that game, which was uh, well, all the good things that, were, that happened in that game, which was the defence, got thrown out the window and they just got flogged. Uh, and so, I mean... Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about, about what direction this team is, is heading in, because it seems like a, a ship with its, uh, with its rudder stuck just going, going around in circles, to be honest. Mm. OK, let's, uh, let's talk about a, a weekend of good results, but they're only at home, uh, Kimberly. So for the, from a Chiefs point of view, you couldn't ask for more. Waikato win the uh, championship, uh, sorry, the premiership, Taranaki win the championship. Chiefs are in great shape, surely. Oh, Delighted. I'm delighted. Actually, um, I was hearing the gossip before I was uh, on, on the line here, Smithy, that your producer, John Day, actually picked uh, against Taranaki on the weekend, which was a rogue call, considering, you know, let me, let me remind you, it was a completely unbeaten season. <laughs> I'm not smug. I'm not smug at all. Uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, great result for the Chiefs 
region. Um, I imagine, you know, Tasman fans will be feeling pretty down hard. They didn't have a great chance to win it there um, at the end of the time to work up at the post, but alas, never mind. Um, and I do think it looks good. Some of those combinations as well that have been announced in the Chiefs squad today, I guess you already knew it was coming, but kind of nice to see, you know, the, the Super Bay and the Josh Law combination will keep being fostered uh, at the Chiefs and, and go on from there and hopefully go on and become stronger and stronger because, you know, we are needing um, at a national level as well probably some, some up-and-coming blocks and so all sorts of good things to come out of it. I'm sure the Taranaki team had a great time uh, celebrating whether it was in Inglewood or, or back at New Plymouth. I've actually got that uh, picture of Neil Barnes. You might have seen it with the trophy on his head, uh, liquid all down his front, uh, currently saved with my phone screensaver. So very happy weekend for me from a, uh, from a local, local perspective. Oh, I feel, I feel so happy for you. I really do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can sense that. Uh, Jamie, here's an interesting one. Um, you know, if you, you want to comment on those final, that's cool. But one of the other things I just counted up this morning, uh, I looked at these uh, franchises, these super franchises that have been assembled. 27 players lost to overseas. Is that excessive? Is that just typical of, of an exodus um, in terms of All Black on New Zealand rugby? Yeah, that was a, a pretty big number you, you, you chucked out there this morning. And I was starting to think, like, yeah, is that actually normal or, or not? And... Um, We've got a, a, a press conference with um, NZ Rugby straight after this this call, which I'm going to probably ask them about to, to say, like, you know, is this, is this concerning? Um, obviously, I don't think they like losing any players, uh, but you have to accept that the fact that um, maybe the last two years has put put a bit of um, pressure on the phase of the the careers of the guys that that, are, that would have been looking to go maybe a couple of years later. Maybe they're just thinking they ought, ought to cash up now. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it's. It's an interesting one because I, I look across those Super Rugby teams and, um, you know, there's a lot of fresh faces um, coming in there. Uh, one thing I will note, um, though, is that, the, you know, for all the talk about Moana Pacifica where we're saying, like, oh, gosh, you know, we'll see how these guys go, uh, their squad does look very solid. Uh, I'm, I'm, and I'm really, really excited to, to watch them play. I'm just uh, mindful of the fact that they're, they're not actually going to be able to get a training in together until um, early, in the, early in the new year. So hopefully they can get their stuff together and... Um, and uh, provide a big challenge for when they when they have a big derby match against the Blues. There is other sport uh, going on, Kimberley, and uh, across the other side of the world, uh, our cricket side have sort of gone from uh, one of the top floors in the building towards the bottom. All of a sudden, we lost three 0 convincingly to India. Uh, worries me a wee bit heading into the Test matches because whilst there's, uh, there are different players involved. Momentum in a squad is quite an important thing, and we might have lost some of that that we had during that Cricket World Cup. Oh, maybe. Um, I mean, I, I very much defer to your judgment on this one, maybe for obvious reasons, but I'm not too bothered about it. I wasn't particularly um, enamoured uh, at the thought of the T20 series straight off the back of the World Cup anyway. Like you say, maybe... The momentum shift does play a little bit of a role for them, but I'm just I'm, I'm less concerned about the momentum probably than the lack of game time and the lack of practice time that some of our test players um, have had in India and in Indian conditions. Ross Taylor yesterday uh, was talking on a press conference uh, about how you know it's, it's obviously been a long break for him 
from cricket. He's been overtraining in the nets in India, but due to COVID-19 restrictions, they can't have net bowlers, and so he's probably not seeing uh, as much of kind of the as much spin in the nets, which is what they're going to need aside from the guys in their own group. So that probably concerns me uh, a, a little bit more. So in saying that, I am extremely excited um, for this series. I mean, I love Test cricket. It's a great time for Kiwis to be watching. Starts about five o'clock, I think. Um, so I can't wait for that. The T20 series, in my mm. mind, has kind of been and gone, and um, will be easily forgotten. But a Test series, you know, playing India in India is always something memorable. So I'm <laughs> looking forward to it. Okay. Um, just finally, before we go, thanks for that, uh, Kimberly. Jamie, um, when you go in your press conference with New Zealand Rugby. Who will be the first journalist to ask, are you reviewing your coaching scenario for the All Blacks? Will there be one? Or is there any point? <laughs> uh, well, I don't think we get any sort of answer out of them, but um, I'd say it'd probably be Ollie Ritchie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's cool. I mean, you know, yeah, as you say, they're, they're not going to... I don't think they're going to change uh, on the basis of two or three months of rugby, but... Uh, so I don't, I don't think so, because I think... I think I think uh, it's going to make too many people in that office look bad. That's why. Okay. Well, we'll leave it at that. Thanks, you guys. Um, not a great Monday, but a, a good one to analyse and uh, point the finger, I think, and you've done that well. Thank you very much to Jamie and to Kimberly this morning. We will have another panel tomorrow morning around about the same time. A lot of text to read out, which we'll do very shortly, uh, and then we'll talk to Louis and the TAB before 11 o'clock. All of a sudden, they have to find a test match captain for the Ashes, which is looming. Uh, and I remind you of that, less than three weeks away. Uh, Australia in disarray in terms of their dressing room, it seems, at the moment. So uh, maybe Vossi can uh, enlighten us on that particular issue. Uh, right, Dean from Christchurch has come in and says, I think this is great for the global game of rugby that the All Blacks have been brought back to earth. I feel uh, we had lost a little bit of passion for our national team and now people are engaging again with rugby. I'm personally not a fan of Foster as head coach. He is unfortunately at a time where the team knows it needs to go in a different direction and he can't jibe in that direction due to years of playing similar styles of rugby and unable to call on others in the coach's box to find that little 1%. We throw Scott Robertson's name out there because anyone who has been watching rugby knows he has respect and fresh ideas to take our beloved All Blacks back to the team we all know the boys are capable of achieving. That is Dean from Christchurch. Damo's come in uh, on a couple of occasions. Where was our accuracy, our synergy in both the forwards and the backs? Are we saving our amazing game plan until the World Cup? Mm. Do we know how to chip or grub a kick behind the line? Where is our plan B? Finally, one of our strengths was our bench. When we brought them on with 20 to go, we closed games uh, up or ran away with them. Now we are ineffective, with the exception, I'll say there, of uh, Tokiahu. Tokiahu, I thought, was absolutely outstanding with his accuracy and his drive. I thought he was brilliant. How is Wayne Smith doing, and is he available, says Damo? Since he left the All Blacks, this has been a slipping in performance generally. Uh, so uh, uh, another one, I know Bowden Barrett will be at his peak in the, at the next World Cup and now it's time to settle him as the number one fly half and not think that Richie Moonga is the best in the world because he got outplayed two weeks in a row while one that is at the end of his career and the other that's just starting. 
Brad says, uh, on a different subject, don't bet against my Nick Smithy. Well, we'll see what uh, that is like at the end of the day. Uh, me and my mates sure as hell weren't discussing Whitelock's decision in hindsight. Smithy, if they spend less time looking up at the big screen, worrying how they are looking, fixing their hair, uh, would that help? That's from Paddy and Jacko. Uh, Smithy, we were never going to beat France on Sunday, but once again, we don't get a fair go from the officials. Looked to like to me, France put the ball out every time they they, uh, they throw in. Sam Whitelock looked for a tackle in the air. Looked okay to me, Barnes says, and ditto. And a line-out challenge, a few refs, including Barnes, been trying to bring the All Blacks down a few pegs. Uh, it looks like they have now achieved it. So a lot of dismay um, and a lot of people feeling just a little bit analytical in uh, some form or another this Monday morning, and why not? It's one of those times. It's 10.50 here on NCNZ Speaking of the Time. When we come back, Louis Herman Watt, and uh, some advice for the T- from the TAB for today's investments. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Yeah. Plenty, of, plenty to neigh about at the weekend too, uh, Louis. Uh, very good race day at uh, Tarapa and... I think uh, the uh, Tangerine Army might have exposed another little two-year-old, which might have a chance of winning that million-dollar race again around Karaka time. Uh, they just keep coming up with them. Yeah. Actually, it's a good question. Is Bright Blue Sky Karaka Million eligible? I know they bought her over at the uh, Magic Million sales, so maybe not. Might be more of an imper- maybe not. Yeah. Ma- might be more of an Imperatriz uh, type of filly who's just going to do great things, bought from another sale, of course, the crack a million in conjunction with New Zealand bloodstock. But, man, Smithy, you're right. Opie just cuddled her. And you knew that when he said that he wanted to get down to 54 and a half and it sounded ludicrous that there was something a little bit special about her. And this Muscarento, the, the two-year-old that went out and brained them by about six or seven lengths on debut, it wasn't going to be easy to beat, but she just got in the trail, stalked. Opie just cuddled her quite kind on her maybe felt for the whip a couple of times up the straight just to make sure she stayed on the job but she just looks like a she just looks like a classic two-year-old sprinting <laughs> she's just gonna go on and do really great things very exciting for them um opie of course riding at that weight and in just in sensational form one on show of roses and the auckland thoroughbred breeders and levante returns smithy can you believe she drifted mm. to 490 I can't believe that, and, and uh, as soon as she jumps, you've got to be careful. Um, she is such a, a quality mare. I think she's, you know, she was absolutely standout. That was that was uh, a ho- uh, what, yeah, what did they say uh, with a hoof in the air or something? Uh, I mean, it just she just looked so good down that straight. Yeah, she did. Her turn of foot is just sensational. She look, everyone knows how dynamic she is, but the issue is, can you get her out of the gates and can you settle her close enough? Well, Ryan Elliott had no issue with either. And it was beautiful to watch. To Elicit was really good, chasing hard in uh, the thoroughbred breeders. Cheaper than divorce mm. was went got crunched into a cheap uh, short favourite. I think about two dollars ten, even two twenty on the tote. And Justin Mays, the local for David Green, well he quinelled the the county's cup. And Justin Mays is absolutely flying ahead of the Waikato Cup. So it's plenty of good racing to dissect. This weekend, Sakura Blossom steps out at, at Te Aroha, and we know what she can do. Just quietly, Smithy, the railway 
go have a look at the futures market and have a look at the horses in for the railway. This will be the race of the season. Cannot wait for that. Okay, Louis, thank you very much for that. Uh, I do look forward to uh, racing this week as well as we head to in the, another very busy time uh, leading into Christmas, of course. Always busy at the TAB. Paul Mawadi joins us this morning on a Monday where we have, uh, of course, uh, NFL, Sunday night football, uh, and all sorts of other things to keep us excited, Paul. Yeah, that's right, Smitty. Uh, we've got a bonus pack promotion uh, on that match later on this afternoon, New Zealand time. The Los Angeles Chargers taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I-, I can tell you that there hasn't been a lot of support for Big Ben and his Pittsburgh Steelers. It's almost one-way traffic in regards to the action we're taking on that market. The uh, charges have been very, very well backed by punters. Uh, and if the money is right, uh, then they should walk away with a fairly comfortable victory. I can tell you we've got a number of power plays on that game. The best back so far has been Justin Herbert to have two or more passing touchdowns in each half. That's paying $11. That's the best back power play so far in that match this afternoon. Uh, For those who like the hoops, uh, there's been a bit of action on the Detroit-LA game. Uh, A lot of support for LeBron James and the LA Lakers. About a $2,500 bet on the Lakers at $1.34 and another $1,000 bet on the Lakers at $1.28. And for you Greyhound punters, we've got a $10,000 guaranteed terminating pick six at the Palmerston North Greyhounds today. So, the all new for everyone, is Kiwi for Sport. Thank you very much, Paul. News time. Night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. I uh, always look forward to this uh, time of a Monday morning because we get to go across the Tasman to our SEN Sydney breakfast host brother and, of course, rugby league commentator who's uh, taking a little bit of time out of calling rugby league at the moment. But there is plenty going on, Andrew Voss, uh, in the sport of Australia at the moment. And I wouldn't mind betting um, Tim Payne came up on your show a couple of times this morning. Oh, Smithy, I was surprised you even called me this one. I didn't think there was much to talk about, was there? Boy, oh boy, wow. I, I go off air at 9am Sydney time on Friday morning, you know, off to the weekend. Oh, that's been a busy week in sport, you know, been some good stories. I don't know whether I've ever seen a bigger example of the you-know-what hitting the fan than what happened with Tim Payne. I mean, who could have possibly have seen that coming? And my great fear now is that we just didn't get the whole story straight away, and that, that's, that's been the case. Uh, if you haven't caught up with it now, the brother-in-law sexting the same woman. I mean, come on. This this guy's married to the sister of Tim Payne, and he allegedly, you know, was involved in this and has since been let go by Tasmanian cricket as well. I mean, it's pretty sordid, all of it, but can you be retrialed twice, Smithy? I mean, I, I sort of this time yesterday, I've got Tim Payne still in my test side. It's his decision to step down as captain, but I'm thinking... But then when this latest angle came out, my fear is there's more to come. So I just think too great a distraction. He can't be in the team and Australia have to move on without Tim Payne. And that, at his yeah, age, that's the end of his desk. Yeah. And the other thing about Tim Payne is that, you know, when you, when you uh, shoot bullets, you've got to be prepared to think that they're going to come back at some stage, particularly if you've got something in your past that might rear its ugly head. Now, Tim Payne is probably, whilst he's done a great job for Australia, there's no denying it, he's kind of moulded that team back together 
He has always been very outspoken, and uh, particularly um, the press from around the world have been waiting, I think, waiting um, because of some of that yep. statement, and he's opened himself up big time. Oh, well, yeah, well, if, again, if, if it's as read, then everyone that needed to know knew about this scandal at the time that he was promoted to Australian captain. So, as I said, well, you know, he was cleared then. It was, it was fair, okay, well, that's something that happened, but we don't think that he's, you know, this is his character all over. We think he's still the makings of a good captain, and he has been a good captain. Um, since it must be said, we can't rewrite history. But as I said, can, can you be retrialed, retrialed twice? Can a different board and now chairman come in and when, when they'd already moved on from this issue? Uh, but, but now I have doubts about the whole investigation. It just seems like a total shambles how it was held. And there's so many unanswered questions people are all asking. You know, so who actually knew how many people sat in judgment of him? Did the, was there a female representative? I think that's a very fair question, you know, to get um, a di- difference of opinion as to how they reacted to this, how it all came about in the first place. And now people ask the question, how did it come out now? Why did it come out now? Um, there's, there's all different conspiracy theories there. Uh, does Tim Payne keep his place? If he's not the captain, and I ask you, Smithy, because you are the greater cricket expert, does he keep his place in the team, either as keeper or batsman? I don't think so. I, I really don't. No. I and mean, I think you've got an heir apparent waiting there in Alex Carey. Uh, and I, I don't know if Australia can... I don't think he's a standout cricketer in either discipline. I mean, he hasn't scored a Test 100 yet. Um, and I, I don't think he's good enough in either discipline uh, to be there carried as a... A passenger, I won't say a passenger, but a player who's going to attract all sorts, I mean, uh, of attention. Now, you know, I, he could possibly get away with it if they were playing anyone apart from mm. England and the Ashes, Vossie. That, I, I, you know, yeah. I just don't think uh, an Ashes uh, setting is the place for Tim Payne to be around. And bearing in mind, this is not going to go away in a hurry, and the Ashes is here in a hurry. Yeah, I respect your words greatly. Like just a you know a hypothetical or well, you know possible scenario. What if you know Tim Payne first morning of the test drops catch, you know straight away the pressure. I mean that becomes the story of the day. Tim Tim Payne has an off mm. day, becomes the story of the day. You know Tim Payne gets out for a duck. <laughs> so that becomes the story, and that and becomes greater than the team. So no, I I, I changed my opinion in the last twenty four hours to the point where. Sorry, Tim, you know, you're out of the team. That's it. And that's the end of his test career. And I'll tell you what else has happened today, Smithy. Um, I was watching uh, Channel 7, who is the free-to-air rights broadcaster here in Australia. I was watching last night. They've got... Tim Payne is the central figure of their promo for the Ashes series this summer. I'm sure they're mm. sort of... They were watching last night and thinking, well, gee, that's got to hit the cutting room floor now. Um, you know, he, somehow we have to, you know, re-edit this, you know, quite expensive and uh, put together production values and all that sort of thing. That has to go. And today we learned the, this week, gamers would be aware, Cricket 22 was coming out this week. So PlayStation game, Xbox game. You know who's on the cover, Smitty? Yeah, <laughs> In paint. yeah tell me. And yeah. they have yeah. withdrawn it from sale. So already the um, suppliers, so your EB games and your games outlets, have copies of the game because they're pre-ordered in the thousands. And the makers mm. of the game have said, well, if you've got a, the, it'll be replaced. Like, that's a massive exercise. You're talking, yeah. I don't know how many copies or units of the game, but they would have printed up well in excess of 100,000, I would have thought. 
um, that all have to be replaced because they've taken him off the cover. So that's the first of the um, you know, collateral damage, if you like, of Tim Payne commercially. I think he disappears from everywhere. He, like, he loses the captaincy, loses his spot in the team, and now he loses every advertising deal, and there's plenty of them that, he, that came with the job of being Australian captain. It's a massive, massive loss. Yeah, uh, I, I, it is. Um, but and there's two things, two other things about this which are interesting because it, it becomes an open forum for debate, etc. And people start pointing fingers. I read an article this morning where former Australian netball great uh, Liz Allison, now a broadcaster in her own right, has really pointed the finger at Mark Taylor, who would be, in my mind, one of the most respected citizens on Australian cricket, saying, "Well, you were part of the board at that point, whatever, and did you know about it? And why didn't you act then?" Well, these are all the questions we're asking, and, and that's why, with this latest development, that's what sort of uh, made my opinion so clear-cut today, was when the revelation came out about the brother-in-law at the same cricket Tasmania, then, I say, like, if they were heard in unison, if the two cases were heard in unison, surely there would have been a connection between the two. You couldn't take action against one bloke, as it appears they have, and he lost his job with cricket Tasmania and has since gone into state, and Tim Payne not be exonerated? How does, how does that work? I mean, people are really left asking questions about that. So I just don't know about the thoroughness of the investigation now. But, but on what we do know, he was before, he was cross-examined, he was questioned and exonerated. Yes, morally wrong, all of those things. But, you know, the boss doesn't have to sit in judgment of that. And, he's, and his merits for the cricket team not necessarily a part of the qualification for that. But I think all with the benefit of hindsight, you know, those in Cricket Australia, to elevate them as Australian cricket captain, knowing this was there, jeez, it would have had to be a... I just can't believe it hasn't come out before this. Can you, Smithy? It's like four years. No. Four years. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I find it very interesting. They'd have been very nervous sitting on this. They must have been very, very nervous sitting yeah. on this. Uh, and now, of course... Can I say uh, one more know, thing at you, Smithy? Yep. Can, can, and I've never sat in a dressing room like you have, but... I think the most bizarre, and I've covered you know, sport for over three decades, and I've covered primarily the sport of rugby league, and it's thrown up some doozies. But I find, it's now fact, it's been conceded, the image of Tim Payne sitting in the dressing room about to first test for his country in seven years, an hour before play, he sent the photo to the girl. I mean, I, I, I can't, that's mind-blowing. Like, Seriously, like, where's your head at? And how before you yeah. do to play, you're sending that from the dressing room. Like, that's just... And this is a 32-year-old man. We're not talking about a kid here. I just find that... That's just... That's one of the most bizarre things I've ever heard, Smithy. Ever heard in school. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's look at the ramification out of this, which, of course, is one of the biggest jobs in Australian sport, if not the biggest job. Who's your captain, Fossey? Who? I mean, people are saying, can a fast bowler... Captain a team in an ash as well. England did it through Bob Willis pretty effectively from time to time. And I know Pat Cummins has got some great stuff about him. He's a quality person. There's no doubt about that. Pat Cummins, I actually had him on my show last first half, sort of the, the last person to um, ask him. I, I, I put it on him not knowing what was to happen with the Tim Payne, but I said, look, you know, prophetic words, I said if something was to happen to Tim Payne, and I was probably inferring oh. that the neck injury is not right, would you be ready... If Australia needed a captain today, like God, and he said, "Well, I'm not the finished article, but yes, I'm ready. Oh, yeah, he's got the confidence. 
um, and he was confident in the others around him, you know, an experienced group around him that he would lean on uh, for, for assistance. But you're right, all of those issues. I mean, when does he bring himself on and off to bowl? I mean, fielding tactically, um, uh, you know, decisions to be made, declarations, all those sorts of things. Uh, is Pat mm. Cummins ready? Well, the fact that you made him vice-captain, it, it can't just be a token thing. And I, mm. I think outside of him, I mean, you're either going totally to a, a non-captain in a Manus Lubbershane or we're going back down the lines of a, a, a Steve Smith who, who, you know, you're barred there for a period. So I think Pat Cummins has to be captain, and I think it would be in the best interest of Cricket Australia from a from a PR and a positive and a certainty sense of getting ready for a test which is coming up on December 18 to, to, to confirm that today. Just to say today, mm. you know, we had the standing down of our captain on Friday. The new Australian captain is Pat Cummins. Say that today. Declare that today and give it certainty. And that gives him as long as possible to prepare for the moment. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind betting. They've, um, they might have even told him behind the scenes, but you're right. They need a distracting point very, very shortly. Otherwise, uh, this is going to linger. It's going to linger anyway. Hey, hey, we talked to you about, um, uh, let's get to some league. Uh, John Asiata last week and the possibility of uh, his contract being terminated if he did not get vaccinated. And it appears that's come to pass. Yeah. Well, we think that what's been reported here in Australia is we're down to about 10 players, I think, now, who are unvaccinated. Uh, one of those is Appy Corusau out at Penrith, who missed the grand final celebrations on Saturday. Penrith uh, paraded the trophy in front of fans at the ground on Saturday. He wasn't part of it, as an unva- only vaccinated people could get inside the stadium. So there were no exceptions made for players. Um, we, we feel as if we're getting a little closer if the number this time last week was, I think it was about 17. Now it's down to 10. So the league... You know, they, they might get to a point where they don't even have to declare a policy, so to speak, and that everyone that needs to be vaccinated is vaccinated, as he are to be um, out in the cold. Nelson Asa for Solomon are the same. Um, look, are things changing here? Perhaps perhaps they are. Um, but we, we still haven't reached what is called a, a freedom day for the unvaccinated. I, I, I tend to think that maybe the final decision is going to be had once we get there. I mean, if you monitor what's going on overseas, I mean, things are getting totally out of control. Uh, you know, where, where vaccination stopped and countries like Germany and the Netherlands and Austria, I mean, they're now, the pandemic's at its greatest level as far as positive cases are concerned. If something went pear-shaped here in Australia come the time when the unvaccinated are getting the same freedoms as the vaccinated, well, I think the league would have to step up to the plate. The AFL's already done it. Um, but the league might have to step up. But by that time, you know, we might be only talking about a handful of players, so would they really need to do it? Uh, I think they're still just hoping behind closed doors that everyone just gets jabbed. Mm, interesting indeed. Uh, stories coming out that uh, there have been some photos leaked of uh, Viliami Kikau signing for uh, the yeah. Bulldogs. Oh, outrageous. Outrageous. I had Ivan Cleary on the show today, well known to, to your listeners. Um, yeah, he, he was disappointed. He was very guarded in saying, he said, who, was, who am I to criticise the business or how other clubs do business? But it's a, it's a pretty poor situation. Um, Billy Army Kickouts are very, you know, sort of shy sort of bloke and would just, just do things to please people. If they said, you know, pose for a photo, he would. And they'd then push the envelope. If they put the shirt on, he'd put the shirt on. You know, that's so wrong. I mean, first of all, the players should not be even thinking, I'm going to put a shirt on for another club that I'm not joining until 2023. And secondly, the Bulldogs had no right to ask him to pose for a photo. They are not paying him until November 1 next year. They know it was an up yours to Penrith. I can't see any other way. It was an up yours to Penrith, really, 
to have the photo taken and then to say, oh, it's leaked, it wasn't meant to get out. Well, what the hell are you taking the photo for a year in advance anyway? Yeah, a, year, mm. a year in advance, you are taking a photo with a coach and a football manager. Yeah, that's not right. That's all right. That's just football. That's just rugby league, archie-barchie. Won't be the last time it happens, but I can understand Penrith being pretty disappointed with it. But, but in the first instance, Billy Army should have been man enough to say, no, I don't think that's right. I'll, you can take the photo off me, but I'm not, I'm not posing in your shirt. I'm still playing for Penrith. So I think that would have been better handled, and, and Canterbury should have known not to even ask for the photo to be taken before we get... There should have been no photo to leak because there shouldn't have been a photo taken. Simple as that. Methinks you've got some interesting days ahead of you leading into that first oh, test match, uh, Vossi. You reckon? I really do. You reckon? Yeah, I reckon so. Oh, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> nah, fantastic, mate. Hey, thanks for thanks for those uh, that update um, on a pretty messy situation. Uh, I mean, we we in the media love good copy, but uh, I'm not quite sure that's overall that good. Uh, anyway, we uh, shall hey, move on. Hey, Thank you. By the way, we thank are you. the T20 World Champions. Had we spoken about that? Oh no, we did that last week when we beat you in the final. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's why don't why does the line always tend to fade out at this point in our conversation? Why we, I, I, I just don't get it. Uh, well, see, you there, Voss? Oh, oh, it's gone, folks. Actually, uh, no, it's gone. Okay, um, we'll, we'll hope to get him back at the same time next week. Andrew Voss there, our brother from SENZ. Uh, sorry, SENZ, yes. Well, we're the, we're the major of the two players, aren't we? SEN in Australia. Uh, yeah, okay, it's uh, 11 to 8, 18 here. Uh, well, your texts have been flooding in. Uh, we don't like losing, do we? Particularly two weeks in a row. And now um, you've got uh, some uh, opinions too on uh, Tim Payne. Great. Absolutely great. We'll read them out very shortly. Behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. At 11.40 this morning, we're going to be giving you not one, but two answers to questions regarding Baz and Izzy's radio frequency. Of course, you're up for 711 bucks this time around. We're going to give you two chances uh, for tomorrow morning's scenario. So uh, listen there at 11.40. Another little bit of uh, housekeeping here. We talked uh, with Louie about a brilliant two-year-old performance at the weekend by a horse called Bright Blue Sky. Well, it's going to the Caraca Million in Australia, qualified over there. So thanks very much for texting in on that. Uh, and uh, that'll keep a lot of trainers, I would imagine, jockeys, etc., quite happy because that was a standout performance, absolutely brilliant. Uh, so we'll look out for Bright Blue Sky doing great things in Australia very shortly. Uh, a lot of uh, coming in now on the cricketing issue, leaving the All Blacks alone just for a moment or two. Uh, Smithy, just tuned to the end of the conversation with your Aussie correspondent, Bossy, of course, uh, should have signed off with asking if David Warner is going to be their new captain. Wouldn't think so, John. Wouldn't think so. Um, no. Uh, were they looking at Travis Head to be captain after Tim Payne? They were at one stage. You're right. You're dead right, Chris. Uh, he was the nominated vice captain. Uh, but then again, you get to the scenario, is Travis Head good enough to make the starting 11? That is the other thing. I mean, Pat Cummins is a given there. Uh, so is Steve Smith. So is Steve Smith. Uh, and that's what Ozzie Adam has come in and said. Payne needs to go if he isn't captain. Get Kerry in there. Alex Kerry is a very fine cricketer. Payne has been lucky. He is still in the squad. Cummins needs to focus on his bowling. Smith to be captain. Ozzy Adam from Christchurch. Uh, very interesting uh, talking about those things. Uh, as, as, far as, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I think Pat Cummins could uh, captain Australia. But uh, the fact is uh, you have to stay available. But then wicketkeepers are uh, susceptible to breaking fingers. You have to change your captain then. Uh, I mean, if it was to be the point where Pat Cummins had a niggle or whatever and couldn't play in a test match, 
so be it. That's happened since uh, the year dot. You've had to replace captains. They're not uh, impregnable to things like injury or to um, you know fatigue or, or that kind of thing, or even a, a lack of form. Uh, it's just that in past, um, it's tended to be that batsmen uh, have ca- captain sides uh, because uh, it, you know they're just sort of in a position where they um, are a lot more relaxed in terms of thinking about it while you're on the field of play. When you're he- in the heat of battle, um, bowling in tight situations, sometimes they say bowlers aren't attuned or shouldn't have to be asked to make those calls. They get down the fine leg and third man and try and find a bit of shade and take a deep breath. Uh, and that's not akin to captaining a side, particularly in the Ashes. So I understand that. I really do. Um, Adams Cummins, Warner, Warner has been banned for life of leadership responsibilities by Cricket Australia. Man, are they going through some hot patches at the moment. Uh, let's have a look uh, at a, a couple of rugby ones as well. Smithy Wayne Barnes is now the referee who has ref- refereed the most all-black losses. He has controlled six all-black losses and restricted the all-blacks to 12 tries in those six games. And still... Still, there are no boys named Wayne born uh, since uh, uh, that time when he, he upset us and uh, all that years ago. 340, is it? 340 boys uh, with the surname Barnes born in this country and not with the first name Wayne, uh, which made a lot of people in my pub very, very ha- happy, Stephen, over the weekend. That uh, was a real talking point. Uh, let's uh, have a look at uh, Richard saying, Smithy, we shouldn't have to lose games to think about how to advance one's game. France could have won by more if a few linesmen and video ref calls went their way. Inept coaching, I think. They're living at 24-7 to sort it out while they're on tour. Surely they can find ways to break down a rush defence, i.e. grubber kicks, decoy runners, changes of angles. They are being outcoached. Honest analysis there from Richard. Um, Dean has come in. School starts today, Smithy. The all-black season can be gained the same way. No scaling here. Term exams pass just... School cert, South Africa, Ireland, France, second year, fifth mate, no sixth form for this mob, I'm afraid. We have the cattle, just the shepherd is lost and found wanting big time. Nice guy, but time to create history and become the first all-black coach sacked in the professional era. Razor all the way. Oh, that's uh, an interesting one too. Uh, there's uh, uh, some great stuff uh, coming in today. A lot of people uh, are very opinionated about a lot of things. G'day, uh, Ian. Uh, Watch a bit of the Black Caps uh, the other day, was surprised to see an Indian company sponsored logos on their shirts. Don't the Black Caps have any New Zealand sponsors? Yes, well, they do. The ANZ, of course, was emblazoned all over the front of those shirts, uh, if you notice, Brian. But they are for sale. They're like any product when they go overseas or etc. And Indian uh, companies pay big money to have that kind of exposure for four or five hours a day on their television sets. And, and there will be a lot of competition for that particular advertising sign that was there. I'm not sure it'll be for the test matches. There might even be a different one there. We'll keep an eye out for it. But don't be surprised if you see uh, an Indian logo on the New Zealand cricket uniform during those two test matches coming up. Uh, it is such, such a competitive industry over there and the chance to get tele- television time. Uh, sorry, John, you've just come in with uh, something in that regard. Yeah, just on the uh, T-Series coming up, Smithy, starting on Thursday, SENZ does have the live ball-by-ball commentary, so that's awesome, bringing you live test cricket uh, from India, so that's great. Okay, so we're going to take the overseas feed for that, yeah? Yep, that's the one. So 5 o'clock, I think uh, Drive might get an early finish on Thursday and Friday as well, so from 5 o'clock, yep, we'll take the commentary right through. Oh, okay, right, that's fair, that's that's really good news. I I wasn't uh, aware of that, so that we can... 
uh, break that for you. So uh, if you're listening in your car or you're listening uh, to our frequencies around the country while you're travelling and uh, you need something to uh, help you get through those long drives, then certainly uh, listening to the cricket, which is an absolutely perfect time for us. It really is, coming in and starting at 5 o'clock. Uh, we can basically watch a whole day's play uh, you know, and unfold between us and uh, in front of us. It's, it's going to be, uh, I reckon, an interesting test series. But uh, on the back of what I've seen, uh, with uh, the turning pitches, etc., uh, India are much better equipped than we are at this point. They're the favourites. Uh, now, uh, coming up to 11.30, it's time to uh, stump Smithy for the first time this week. Uh, I think we're 50 bucks now, 50 bucks worth of uh, TAB vouchers up for grabs. 0800 150 811. Come into a Monday, I think we all need some extra cash after the weekend to just make ourselves feel a bit better. 50 bucks from the TAB up for grabs and some sleep drops at Daytime Revive, New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. And we're heading to the hey, Manawatu. G'day, Kerry. Yeah, hey, guys. Sorry, mate, did I interrupt you? <laughs> you all right? No, no, you're all good. <laughs> yep. Good stuff. How did you find the weekend, mate? How did you find the All Blacks? Uh, yeah, I think... Yeah, full credit to the French, uh, absolutely. They they dealt to us, and we just got to take it on the chin and move on. And yeah, <clears throat> yep. interesting to see what guys are going to be still there in the World Cup, though. Yeah, absolutely. Smithy, do you think they're favourites now, France, for that World Cup? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, you know, I do. Uh, you know, they're going to grow from that, and, and they they do have some inspirational players, and and that atmosphere, that white hot atmosphere, for me, yeah. Um, all Blacks aren't a bad side by any stretch of the imagination. France would have made a lot of sides look very silly at the weekend, don't worry. Yep, they were great. All right, Kerry, on to the matter at hand, the quiz. So three sporting categories, you choose one, get three questions right, you win, but get one wrong and Smithy can stump you. So we've got soccer, rugby and cricket. Which one of those do you like? I'll go rugby, thanks. Rugby, all right. Waikato are the MPC Premiership champions. Beating Tasman at the weekend, when was the last time the Mulus won the title? Oh, I think it's their third title all up. Um, I'll go 0-2. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. 0-2, not correct. Smithy, a chance for a stumping. Uh, yeah, I was trying to think about who was the coach back, uh, back then. Uh, and I'm not. I'm absolutely not that sure about that either. Uh, so this is a stab for me. I should know it, but I, you know, I'm not a stats man. Uh, Two o o five. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Very close. Two thousand and six. So a fifteen year wait for the Mulus, and boy, was it worth it. Well done to them. Uh, second question, Kerry. What was the final yep. score between the All Blacks and France at the weekend? Um, 40-25. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. And Smithy, I think I saw the half-time deficit was about 18 points, and that's the worst ever half-time deficit the All Blacks have ever had. Really? Yeah. I can't believe it. In, in, in their history, John. Yep. That is amazing. Yeah. So... France were bloody good, and we weren't very good either. All right, Kerry, well done, mate. You got that one right. This is for all the prizes. Which province won the Meads Cup for the first time this season? Um, the Meads Cup would be South Canterbury. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, 
right in the slot and away it goes. Didn't get much of a look in today, Smithy. Well done, Kerry. No, nah, well done, Kerry. Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic performance. So, uh, South Canterbury, and they're loving having it too, just by the by, and they're celebrating with it very well. So, the Meads Cup is a winner. Kerry is a winner. Uh, it's 11.35 here on SENZ. Stay with us, uh, Kerry, and uh, Brian will get your details from you, so we'll, we'll get that money to you as quickly as we possibly can. Congratulations. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Yep, cheers. Uh, and when we come back, uh, we will be giving you those two answers, more chances to win money uh, here with us. Two, two answers um, for Baz and Izzy's Radio Frequency quid, uh, quiz to give you a chance of winning $711. That's the Wellington frequency, 7-11am. Um, yeah, 711 bucks up for grabs. The voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's Bazzies and Izzy's Radio Frequencies. It's Bazzies and Izzy's Radio Frequencies. She walks real Okay, believe it or not, uh, that gives you uh, an opportunity uh, to contribute your knowledge uh, to win the uh, quiz tomorrow morning. Uh, 711 bucks. That's uh, because Wellington's frequency is 711 a.m. It's up for grabs. And what we do is give you five five answers to the questions throughout the day. Now, the breakfast guys uh, weren't able to fit it in. So I'm going to give you theirs and ours. Uh, first of all, what player in the 1924-25 Invincibles played at fullback in every, I mean every touring game? And that was the legendary George Nepier. Uh, George Nepia, write that down. A fantastic rugby fullback, one of the greats. Uh, and the other one, uh, the second one is who scored the winning goal for New Zealand in the 1976 Olympic hockey final? Answer to that, Tony Ineson. Tony Ineson scored uh, the uh, winning goal there. So make sure that you write those two numbers down. You'll get uh, answers too from uh, Staffy between 12 and 4 and the drive team. Uh, after that, between uh, 4 and 7, they'll also give you answers too. So make sure. Uh, you write them down and give yourself uh, the best opportunity. And also, of course, uh, don't forget that Rick Dog Ricardo Ball, uh, is on SENZ Radio this evening between 7.15 and 8 o'clock with all sorts of chat. Uh, it'll be about football. Maybe you won't want to talk about Manchester United, who are in all sorts of disarray all of a sudden, uh, having lost to Watford at the weekend. They've made that very big call on Oli Gunner. He's uh, a gunner, uh, to be fair. And then, of course... Uh, you know, he'll also go through these super squads, and so will Staffy, I'm sure, with a fine-tooth comb. So, uh, yes, John, that is uh, where we're at. It's uh, 11.43. Uh, so much to talk about. Another text has come in. Uh, what do you reckon about this one? This is from um, PJ. Smithy, was Akira playing? I-, I thought he hadn't come out of the shed. Bloody fail, that selection, Ken. Getting it, Ken, who's a big, big, big supporter of Akira Ioane. Uh, the lack of consistency in selection was a major contributor to this loss, and that falls squarely at the feet of Foster. He may have signed a new two-year contract, but there's got to be a performance clause in there, and I think they need to use it. You can blame players, but when did the All Blacks ever make seven changes between tests? If we wanted to beat the French, he should have sent the same team from the Irish loss out there to prove they deserved the jersey. Uh, that's an interesting theory, John. Well, he couldn't. He, th- there were some forced changes, weren't there, with Bowden Barrett's head knock and with Anton Leonard-Brown also out injured. I think not having Leonard-Brown and not having Goodhue 
uh, really did expose our midfield this year. Smithy, like I love David Arvelli, but is he the 12 that we need at test level? Probably not. Quintu Plyer looks so promising. Maybe we'll be the finished product by 2023, but right now he's not the finished product. So we couldn't just chuck out the same team, could we, Smithy? The thing for me that's kind of uh, got me annoyed is that we know we've had these problems since 2017 with the rush defence with the British and Irish Lions, uh, with getting beaten up by other Ford packs in the 2019 World Cup semi-final against England. So these are problems that we know and that we've had these coaches in there, Ian Foster, to try and figure out, but he hasn't managed to figure it out. And yet we extended his contract midway through the season before he played any of the tough test matches. So I just think NZR's made some bad decisions and this coaching group hasn't quite got it right yet in the areas that we know have been a problem for the All Blacks for so long, Smithy. One player that has, uh, won't say escaped scrutiny, but it hasn't been uh, a feature of any of our texts this morning that have come in, is uh, your great friend Sam Kane. Now, uh, how did you assess Sam Kane's performance? I think he played around 65 minutes uh, from memory. Um, and um, now, where are we at? I mean, we surely have to settle on an all-black captain. This is not a revolving job for me. Um, you know, I'm an old traditionalist, uh, but it's a hugely important job if you want to establish patterns of leadership, etc., within your team. Um, and I, I need to know. I want to know myself who our all-black captain is now. Do we know who that is? Yeah, fair enough, Smithy. It's been one of those years, hasn't it, where it's been shared around for many different reasons. And Sam Kane himself, before he came on this tour, said, I'm not going to be up to test standard. But he was by the time they turned up for the last test. So clearly he was. Uh, I, I think maybe he should have just taken that mantle back straight away. You walk back in the squad, you say, I've been named the captain. Cheers, Sam Whitelock. Good on you, mate. But I'm back now. And I'm ready for Test Rugby. So mm. I would have liked Sam Kane to be a bit more assertive. I thought he made some nice turnovers in the game. I thought he played fairly mm. well. I didn't think he was the worst player on the paddock by any means. Uh, your, your captain needs to be a first-choice player, Smithy. And I think Sam Kane is that. I'm not sure about Sam Whitelock with two years to go until the World Cup. Yeah, look, I, I agree. Um, look, he made a magnificent turnover at a crucial time. And then David Harvelli threw that interception pass uh, as a result of that when we had an opportunity to clear, get better field position, etc. Or, or maybe just uh, make a, a bit of a more sensible decision uh, where we were at that point. But uh, that was a crucial Sam uh, Kane turnover for me. You know, it's all very well to say I, I didn't think I'd be ready for Test Rugby. Well, you don't know what's going to unfold in the course of a couple of months when you're away. I mean, for instance, uh, was Aaron Smith going to be on this tour? And how did you rate that performance, having been out of international rugby, uh, coming back to play a little rugby for man or two, uh, and then not playing for the last two to three weeks before he went away. What did you make of that? Yeah, I, I thought he, I thought completely outclassed by Dupont. It's not, you know, it's hard when you come back in and you're up against the World Player of the Year. He's going to be World Player of the Year, isn't he, Dupont? And he just did so much. Man, he's got a lot to his game. First time I've really had a close look at him, and he has got everything, Smithy. It wasn't he impressive and just made Aaron Smith look second rate, which you never say about Aaron Smith, which is quite incredible. That 19 for France. What a combination, whereas ours, our 19, was basically anonymous, Smithy. Mm. Uh, here's a, an interesting one, and, and you know these, these tend to get more and more emotive when you lose, but um, <clears throat> Smithy, I cringe when I, they did the interviews yesterday, and one of the players said, we have done something all blacks have never had to do, being away from our families for so long. Maybe it's just for me, uh, maybe it's just me, but it felt disrespectful for all those former all blacks that went by boat. Or close to uh, a bloody year away from home. That's the exact words for a bloody year. Uh, look, uh, it's not my text, but 
there have been in the past lots and lots of big tours away from home, 63, 64. But I'm going back in time and life's changed, of course. Uh, but so have methods of communication, being able to stay as close to home as possible um, that uh, weren't apparent back in those days. So, you know, you just, uh, and, and if you look at, okay, let, if you look at the northern side of that tour, which was what, four, to, four and a bit weeks, if you, you count the USA game as well, and that's not even the length of a World Cup. If you're, I, I was on that 2015 tour, uh, World Cup tour. I'm pretty sure the All Blacks were away for the thick end of seven or eight weeks there when they won that particular tournament. So that's two months. I know we're living in exceptional times, but so be it. Absolutely so be it. Um, you know, that, that, that was it. And they had players come and go. They had a big squad. And they had... Um, I'm not quite sure I buy that. I'm sorry. I, I really, I'm not, I, I'm not sure I do. Yeah, I'm not up for excuses at the moment, Smithy. But you should. One good thing happened at the weekend for you. You won a you won a Christmas ham off me, uh, because mm. I cannot tip mm-hmm. when it comes to NPC. I finished on sixty three percent tipping this year in the NPC, which is poor. And you were far better than me, Smithy. Sixty eight percent. You picked both the winners over the weekend, Waikato and Taranaki. Mm. So that means one Christmas ham is coming out of my account and into yours. Uh- well, now that, of course, Luke Romano is a, a Blues franchise player, you might be able to go and see Luke and see if he can do something in terms of one of those ones he was talking about uh, when we got him coming back from hunting that morning. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can do, do something special with Luke Romano there. Uh, I'll leave it up to you. Just a couple of texts before we finish and get to Staffy. Uh, Smithy, does Alex Carey captain the Aussie T20 and one-day international teams? No, Aaron Finch does that. Uh, so uh, we can clear that one up straight away. Uh, I think Wayne Barnes made one shocking call, says Nick, um, with the, the yellow card. But all in all, let the game flow and kept the whistle in the pocket. Not really any influence on the game. Don't think he was responsible for that performance, no. Uh, and Craig says, interesting, you should make a valid uh, reference to a legendary All Blacks fullback, George Nepia. Joe, just how much the game has changed when you think Nepia never scored a single try for the All Blacks. That's interesting. Uh, Ken has said, Smithy, Akira was okay. It's a, he's coming back uh, in his Akira fan club. Uh, made heaps of tackles when you're type 5, getting beaten up hard for the loose. He thought Kane was poor except for one turnover. And Mwonga's time has done it 10 for the ABs. Cheers, Ken. Good on you, boy. I didn't expect that you'd stay out of it for long. Uh, love, love listening to you uh, and hearing from you. Uh, it is now 11.51 here on SENZ. It's been a very reflective morning. I'm sure that will be the case this afternoon with Staffy as well. We'll confirm that shortly.